0: There was a city boy that went to a farm and he saw a cow and he asked the farmer why the cow didn't have any horns. The farmer said, well, said, a lot of times we have to shave down the horns in order to keep the cow from gouging somebody and sometimes we put acid on the horns to keep them from growing out. And then he looked at the cow and he kind of kind of looked at it and squinted at it and said, but I can, uh, I can tell you why that, why that cow is, uh, doesn't have any horns. He said, why is that? He said, like, "Is that cow over there? That's a horse." Now, uh, sometimes we kind of struggle about finding out what the difference is or what the purpose is of of some things. Now, the city boy had a hard time figuring out the difference between a cow and a horse, and I think sometimes as Christians we have a hard time figuring out maybe what the purpose or the reason is for the church. You know, what, what is our purpose, what is our function for being here? And that is why we are going through a series of messages right now called C4, Engaging Culture. And what we desire and what we hope for you is that whenever you leave here, and as we go through this series of messages, that you'll have an idea, that you'll have really a, 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 good, a good answer for what we do here as a church And and we decided as a church, the way that we are going to engage culture, the way that we are going to fulfill our calling as a church, is we're going to minister in four specific areas. We call them the four C's. And of course, the very first Sunday, the first C that we covered, is we said as a church, we are going to minister and we are going to serve on our campuses. And so we have a lot of different schools here, a lot of children Uh, that are are in those schools. And we said, as a church, we believe God's called us to minister to those students. The second C is community. So we believe God has placed us in this specific location for a reason, that he's called us to be a light in the community in which we live. And then the third C is what we're going to be covering today, and that is that God has called our church, a part of our function as a church, is to care for people. And we're going to talk a little bit today about how we do that. And then finally, the last C is that we are going to minister and serve through our civic responsibilities. Now, that is the calling that our church has. We've been called to care for other people. And today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see an important calling that Christians have, and more specifically, that Village Church has in caring. And we get this idea that we are to care for others from Jesus himself. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So the big question I have, and that all sounds good, we're supposed to care for people. That sounds good, but here's the question. How do we do that? You know, what what exactly does it mean for me to care about people? So if you have your Bible, I want you to look with me in 1 Peter, and we're going to look in chapter 4 in verse number 7. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 7, you can take your Bible, go all the way to the end of it, and start turning back a little bit to the left, and you will run into it. Or it's on page 1,149. All right, now, now Peter wrote this letter to a group of Christians who were living in uh, Asia Minor, which is uh, basically what that is today, is that is modern-day Turkey. He's writing to a church there, and this church specifically was undergoing a lot of persecution because of their faith in Jesus. And so they were really having a hard time. As a matter of fact, in First Peter 4.12, uh, this is what Peter said to him. He said, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. So they're undergoing persecution. Because of this, a lot of the Christians are like, you know what, being a Christian, this isn't necessarily a lot of fun. I mean, there's some stuff that's happening to us that left them beat up. They were tired. They were worn out. And they, they were just struggling. And so Peter is going to let them know, he said, what, what you guys need at this moment and what you've been called to do is you need to care for each other. As you are going through struggles, you need to to support one another. And so the question is, well, how do we do that? You know, how do we demonstrate care today? And I just want to mention a few things that we're going to see in our text. And as a church, we demonstrate care, first of all, by being aware of the time. We have to be cognizant of the time around us if we are going to care for others well. And I'll try to explain it. If if we look back in verse 7... This is what Peter said. He said, now the end of all things is near, therefore be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. Now, I asked the first service this. I'm going to ask you all this. How many of you feel like that you are time-conscious, that you're really good with time? How many of you all feel that way? Okay, this is not surprising. Not many of you all in the second service said that you are time-conscious. That's why we have two services and so, so I just want you to know that, that being time conscious, that is right next to godliness in my book, okay? So you are being scriptural and biblical if you are aware of the time. Now, what, what Peter was saying here is like, listen, if you're really going to care well for people, he said you need to understand the concept of time. He you know, said, so what does that mean? Well, here is the, what we need to understand about time. Time is limited we don't have all the time in the world y'all here and I've said this before here's what happens in life you live and then you die right so there is a time period for every person that's why we were told in Hebrews 9 it is appointed unto man once to die and then to face the judgment. We need to be aware of the time. So if we're going to be aware of the time, this is what what Peter said in verse number 7. He says, understand this, the end of all things is near. Now, you can look at that and say, well, I mean, he's being a little bit over dramatic here. I mean, this was written, you know, a couple of thousand years ago. He says, the end of time is near. The world's still spinning around, we're still going along. Obviously, his time frame was a little bit off. Okay, now, that, that's uh, I understand that thought process, but then the people he's writing to, are they still around? No. Why are they not still around? Well, because you're, you have a, we call it a lifespan. You know, you live for a certain period of time. And he said, you need to be aware that you are not going to live forever. Now, how does that help us, other than just depress us? How does it help us to know that we have a time frame for life? Well, if you are aware of the time, then it means that, that you're going to be acutely aware of what your priorities should be. And if there is a time frame, and I say, these are the things that are really important that I need to get done. But if there's a time frame, there's some other things I really don't need to be that concerned about. So what should we be concerned about as believers? It is sharing Jesus with other people. Because we won't have that opportunity forever. Yeah, you know, there was a uh, a man, an older man. He had had his, I guess, his seventy fifth birthday, and he was celebrating it by watching the game with his grandson, football game. A great games, having a good time with his grandson, and and he's kind of reflecting on his age a little bit. And he looked over at his grandson. And he said, "Well, you know what? I, whenever I, uh, whenever I think about it, about this game, I just had my birthday." So he said, I guess I'm in the fourth quarter of life. The grandson kind of looked up at him and he said, I think you're in overtime. <laughs> now, uh, y'all, uh, there's, there's some of us, and we think, you know, we're going to have all four quarters, and maybe we're going to get lucky, and we're going to go into overtime in life. You know, I'm planning on dying at about 135 years old and being in incredible shape. Well, here's the deal. There's going to be some people who are not going to make it to halftime. I mean, Ephesians 5 15 and 16 says we need to pay careful attention then to how we walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. We need to make the most of time because the days are evil. Now, Peter was taking advantage of the time that he had in order to invest himself in people to share the good news of Jesus with people. And we need to hear the good news of Jesus For a simple reason, we all have an issue that we're dealing with, and it is the issue of sin. And sin separates us from God. Sin blocks us off from from experiencing the forgiveness of God and the eternal life that God offers to people. And yet, too many times what we are doing is we invest ourselves in the things that aren't as necessary. We invest ourselves in the temporary, you know, in getting more stuff. In having a bigger house and in being successful in work. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, but if that is your primary focus in life, you're going to be disappointed because those things come and those things go. And so that's why. We want to be aware of the time so we can share the most important thing with the people that we love and that are around us, and that is that there is a Jesus who gives us victory and who gives us hope. And if you do that, then you ca- you're caring for people. So, so how, do we, how do we care for people? We, we have to be aware of the time. Yeah, you know, we we We're not always going to have this life. We're not always going to have the opportunities with people that we have right now. But another way we demonstrate care is so when you're aware of the time, here's what you can do with that time. You can love people. We're called to love people. In Verse number 8. It says, above all, keep your love for one another at full strength since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, notice that this verse, it starts off, the very first two words are what? What is it? Above all. Now, what do you think above all means? A first priority. Above all things, this is what should be number one. This is what matters the most. Now, now what is it that matters the most? Peter said that you love each other. That word love, it is speaking of having an unconditional love. It's a recognition that as people, we are not perfect. That as people, there are times when it's when it's easy to love, and there are other times when it's difficult to love. As a matter of fact, I think it's really interesting in, in that verse again. It says, keep your love for one another at full strength. Uh, that word full, those words full strength, it actually it means to strain. It means that, that that whenever, it's like the picture of somebody running a race, and they are straining for the finish line. And I like that because the idea here is that sometimes loving people is a strain you ever experienced that before can you think of some people that are really easy to love and other people that are not so easy to love I I can tell you in in our church let me share with you a couple people that are very easy to love Uh, James Ballou who leads our music James is probably one of the kind of most sweet he's probably the sweetest spirit of anybody I know in our church I'm serious just got such a sweet spirit. Amy Pellucci, the lady that does our videos, you know, Amy, the one who said, you're waiting for her to say, and please fasten your seatbelts. Yeah, yeah, that's Amy. That, that's, that, that, that really is Amy. Amy is so sweet. If there was anybody that came to me and said, Amy and Jen, they they are jerks, you know, I, you know I'd, I'd say, listen, they don't have a, pro- you got a problem. They don't have a problem. Now, those are people that are easy to love. Now, there are some people, they're great people, but they're just not as easy to love. Can y'all think of anybody like that? I mean, I can't, I, you know, there's Matthew and Carrie Fisher. Um, I'm just kidding, they're, they're great people. We love it. Carrie's shaking her head no, she, she, Carrie hates me, so, but Carrie, I love you. And so, so there's some people that are just, you know, that are easy to love, and uh, like, like Carrie and Matthew, very easy to love. But the Bible says that we are to love each other. Now, why is it so important that we love each other? Well, Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35, I give you a new command from Jesus. He says you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. And by this, all people will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Love demonstrates that we belong to God. As a matter of fact, you are being like Jesus when you love other people. Now think about that. Jesus loves you. Even though you and I are messed up people, even though we still screw up to this day, Jesus loves you. That's what it means, love will cover a multitude of sins. Jesus loves you, he overlooks your failures, and he still chooses to love you. Now, that, that means, for us, how do we love other people? We, we don't beat people up from their past sins. We don't take the failures of other people and use it as a weapon against them. Now, I'm not saying that love condones sin. I'm not saying that at all. Love is truthful. But love, it is not a weapon. Love is grace. I read a great story this past week about a man who adopted an 8-year-old girl into his family family. And what was interesting about the story is the girl had been adopted before, but it, it didn't. she never was fully integrated into the other family. And uh, whenever she was there with the other family, the, the family went on a trip to Disney World. And they took their natural children, but they didn't bring her. And so I don't know the reason for it, but the dad who was adopting the girl the second time said, you know what, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take her to Disney World. And so as they were getting ready to uh, getting ready to leave, he told the family they're going to go to Disney World. That little girl's excited. But the week before they're going to go, he said she was just an absolute terror. Said she was just disobedient. She left her her room a wreck. Said she was a nightmare. And he said. So I called her into so I called her into the bedroom. So I'm going to talk to you. And said she came in. And he said she immediately began to cry. And she said, "You're not going to take me to Disney World, are you?" And he said. I, and I looked at her. and He said that kind of threw me off a little bit. And he said I looked. At her, and I said. is is that a family trip? And she said, yes. He said, now, are you in the family? And she said, yes. He said, you're going to Disney World. He goes, now, I'm going to correct you for the way you've been acting. He said, but we're going on a family trip. So they went to Disney World. He said, after it was over, he said, she was in in her bedroom. He said, I walked in there, and he said, I said, honey, did, did you have a good time at Disney World? He said, she just lit up. She was smiling, and she said, daddy, she said, I had a great time. She said, I got to go. Not because I was a good girl, I got to go because I'm yours. And I thought that is grace. You know, that, that is what that is what love is. Love is love is given not because it's deserved. Love is given because it is grace. You know, whenever we love, we are, able to, we are able to walk across the bridge of love over, over hurts and disappointments. But whenever we are not loving to others, we miss out on seeing the power of God working through us, in us, and working in other people. So as a church, if we have a calling that we are to care, well then, then how do we do that? We have to be aware of the time. You know, we have to understand God has given us the opportunity of today to touch people. And with this opportunity, if we're aware of the time that we need to be loving people, which is expressing grace to people, but then, this is the last thing, the way we demonstrate care is then we serve. So we love people and then we actually go out and we serve. That is our calling as a church. In verse number 9, Peter said, be hospitable to one another without, without complaining. Based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others as good managers of the very grace of God. And if anyone speaks, his speech should be like the oracles of God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength God provides, so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. Now the disciples of Jesus—they were an interesting group of guys. And if you sometimes we think of them as being super spiritual, they're saints, all these different things. Yeah, here's the disciples—they're regular people. They're fishermen. One was a tax collector. Uh, there are a couple of them that were pretty zealous. They—you know—they were—they you know, wanted to overthrow the Roman government. You know, I, I look at those that list of guys and I think I know some people like that and just like that in our church. You know, they're just regular people. And because they were regular people, they saw all the things that Jesus was doing. They were getting some fame, and there were people that were paying attention to them, and they started arguing with one another about, hey, which, which one is the greatest out of all of us? You know, which one of us does the best job for Jesus? And, and Jesus heard them talking, and, and he came to them, and, and he, sort of, he sort of laid down the law with them. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 34 and 35, it says, But they were silent, the disciples, and the reason why is Jesus showed up. It says, Because on their way... They'd been arguing with one another about who is the greatest. So, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Now, that is an idea that runs contrary to pretty much every red blooded American. If you want to be great, you become a servant. How many of y'all went to school? To figure out how to become a servant. I think most of us said, I'm going to school, I'm going to work hard, because I want to be served. You know, that's how you define success. I'm successful if I'm not serving people, but if people are serving me. I mean, who says my goal in life is to be a servant? Not many people say that. Jesus did. Now, before we get into the why he said this, let's take a look at the how. Okay, so Jesus calls us to be servants. Well, then how do we serve others? Well, if you look in verse number 9, it says we are to be hospitable to one another, not complaining. And this is interesting because Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's making his journey to the cross. And Jesus knows when that happens that his followers are going to get scared. They're going to be dispersed. They're going to be people who are coming after them. And he said one thing that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take care of each other. You're going to have to love each other. You're going to have to serve each other because you are going to be alone otherwise. Now, y'all, when I, when I look at that, I think, you know, persecution, that's stuff that happens in Bible days, but I'm becoming more and more aware of this. We are living in a time that is becoming more and more separated from the things of God. You know, just a, just a few weeks ago, there was an op-ed in the New York Times by a guy named Frank Bruni who talked about the danger of Vice President Mike Pence. You know, and I, and we're not talking about politics here. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. You know why he said he was dangerous? The New York Times op-ed. He's dangerous because he is a Christian. Because he believes in what the Bible says. Y'all, you know, that, is, that is the way many people today view our faith. And I don't think it's getting any better. So you know what we need? As believers, as a church, we need to take care of each other, serve each other, love each other we don't need to be fighting with one another, being jealous of each other, tearing other believers down. that's not our calling. you know I'm at a point now there's some people that I don't agree with about everything uh, concerning some things in theology and' I'm not, I'm not talking about the primary things but just some some secondary issues but here's here's where I'm coming to now if somebody is for Jesus, I'm for them. We need more we need that. we need people who are for. Jesus. So what should we do? Y'all, you know, we, we need to be serving each other, caring for each other. Now, how do we do that? Well, it's really interesting. Did you know that God has given every one of his followers a gift that they are to use in order to serve others? Now, you might say, now, he didn't give me one. I'm not gifted at all. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's not true. The Bible says God has gifted you. We're told in 1 Corinthians twelve, eleven, of spiritual gifts. But one and the same spirit is active in all these, and he distributes, speaking of gifts, to each person as he wills. Every, every Christian has a gift. Now, for some people, it's easy to tell what their gift is. You know, whenever we, we have the, the people up here on stage, and they're singing, and they're leading us in music, I look at those people, and I think they, they are gifted musically. You know, they're gifted musically in order to serve us, to point us to Jesus through song. Uh, right now, next door in the student center, we have, we have people who are teaching students about who Jesus is. They are gifted in their teaching of young people. There are some people that are gifted in, in, in hospitality. You know, I mean, I, I know people in the church. They, you come in, they, they welcome you, they make you feel comfortable, they build you up, they're encouragers. In our church, we have a couple in our church uh, Daniel and Jane Fulmer. I don't know if you know them. They are as soon when I walk in the door, Jane always comes up to me and she hugs me. Daniel tells me how much I mean to him. And it's just like that it's like being around them. It's it's a happy pill pill. I mean it's just so exciting. I love seeing them. You know, I, as a matter of fact I find myself walking over to them. You know, going, hey y'all y'all supposed to encourage me now. You know and so I just love being around people like that. So there's some people that have those kinds of gifts. Now the question is what's your gift? Because our calling as a church is we are called to care for others. And a part of caring is you serve others. So I don't know what to do. Well, we have a C4 table out there. And it's, this week is on care. You can go out and see some of the different care ministries that we have where you can plug in and you can begin to serve. I really believe one of the best ways you discover what your giftedness is is you actually go out and serve. And just plug into an area. And you might discover, you know what, this is really is for me. But you might plug into another area and say, I enjoy this. I am gifted at doing this. But that's not going to happen until you get up and actually go out and serve. So go to our C4 table when the service is over. Look and see some of the areas we have. I can share, I can share a few of them with you. On our care team, we have a prayer ministry where we have a group of people who, who gather together and they gather the prayer requests and they lift people up In prayer, It's one way that we care for others. Uh, We have another team that's called a welcome home ministry. Whenever mothers have have their new babies, and there's a group of people who will cook meals and and go over in order to help out the family. Uh, This past week, we had three or four guys from the church who gathered together with Patrick Tindall, and they drove up to North Carolina and grabbed their chainsaws and helped hurricane victims. There are a lot of different ways that you can get involved and demonstrate care. You see, every Christian has a calling to care, to serve. Uh, I read a, a really interesting story. It was 10 days after Pearl Harbor happened in 1941 when there was a town in uh, it's North Platte, Nebraska, and they were having some troops, some National Guard troops that were going to be coming through their town headed to the west coast after Pearl Harbor. Now, the, the group of townspeople got together and said, when they come through, we heard they're, they're actually from our hometown. What if we just make a bunch of food, have some cakes, write some cards to them, encourage them and pray for them as they come through our town? So they got all excited, and they went out there. There's 500 volunteers. They gathered together, and the very first troop that came through, they, they thought they were going to be from their hometown. They were not even from Nebraska. First group of guys that came through, they were from Kansas. Well, they said, well, we're already here, so we might as well just go ahead and serve them. So they, they served them the cakes, and they gave them cards. There were some of them having, having birthdays. They gave them birthday cakes. They prayed for them. They just encouraged them, cheered them as they came through town. And they said the morale of the soldiers was instantly lifted up. Well, one of the ladies that had been serving, she saw what had happened, and she said, I want to I keep doing this. I want us to do this as long as this war lasts and so every time there were troops that were coming through their town she would gather volunteers they would make birthday cakes and have cards they would they would uh... they would cheer for the soldiers when they came through and she said just lifted up the morale of all the soldiers when they came through now, it was really interesting is this little town north platte nebraska they did this from nineteen forty-one until april of nineteen forty six by the time the war was over they figured out that they had had forty-five thousand volunteers from that town who served over six million soldiers in what became known as the North Platte canteen. And the soldiers said it made a difference. Now I look at that and I think, can't we do that? You know, we, we have people that are going to war every day. And I'm not just I'm not just talking about the Middle East. You know, I'm talking about life walk out their door and they have the battle of life in front of them and what they need is a group of Christians who say we care we are cheering for you we are praying for you we will serve you because we want you to see Jesus now It's a tough world out there, but Village Church, we have decided that we are going to be committed to caring. So, what can we do? We can go serve. We can go to that table right out that door and start looking through the various areas where we can plug into so that we can be a church that cares. How do we care? Be aware of the time, y'all. Our time is limited. The opportunity we have right now doesn't last forever. So if we know, if we're aware of the time, then we need to start, we need to love people because we want them to see Jesus. And then we go out and we serve them because we want to be Jesus to them. Who are we at Village Church? We are a church that is going Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you have given our church just such a unique opportunity to make a difference in the community in which we live, and God, even beyond our community. So Lord, I pray that you will take who we are, that that you'll take what we have, and God, that you will use it to multiply your works. Lord, I pray that people will see Jesus through the life and the ministry of Village Church. God, may there be lives that will continue to be transformed and changed because of who you are. And so, Jesus, we bow before you today, and we thank you, Lord, that you first loved and served us. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.